Well, good morning again. Are you guys awake? Yeah? How many of you have been sick recently? It seems like it's a thing that's going around um, in places, I don't know. I've heard from other friends or people at work, you know. Uh, but uh, hopefully you're, you're feeling well. There is 10 days left until Christmas. 10 days, woohoo! Um, who's ready? All right, that's great. Who's not ready? All right, my people, yeah. We have until next week. Next week we'll have like three days until Christmas. That seems like the appropriate time to start panicking. <laughs> so, 10 days left until Christmas. We've been talking about things that get in the way of wonder. And when we first come to Christ, there's wonder and there's joy and there's this excitement of following Jesus and this transformation in our lives. But then there are things that can get in the way of wonder. And we've been talking about those things. One of those things is the need to feel important, to be the most important person in the room, to not be overshadowed. And we talked about that with Mary. Last week we talked about the, uh, just this need to speak up, to control with our mouth and our words. And how that could destroy wonder because we have this, this panic feeling of speaking. You can listen to those messages um, on our website, cbcfamily.church. But this week we're going to talk about taking a step of faith. We're going to talk about taking a step of faith. Because the best way to renew wonder is to take a step of faith. The best way to renew wonder in your life and in my life is to take a step of faith. It's that simple. When wonder is low in your life, steps of faith are probably few and far between. And that's just a reality. When was the last time that you took a step of faith? And you're like, oh, I could see Chris is back there thinking, uh, I don't know. And what Chris is probably thinking is, what, what exactly is a step of faith? Maybe that's not what he's thinking, but I'm going I'm to use it anyways because that will help me in my sermon. <laughs> what is a step of faith? I mean, it's one thing for someone to say, take a step of faith, but if you don't know exactly what a step of faith is, then how do you know if you've taken one or if you should take one? What is a step of faith? Is a step of faith something grand and risky? Is it like a big, enormous step? There's something that you do that's really flashy and extravagant and really risky? For instance, um, we've been raising money for the building project for about five years to build a building back here for um, the youth. We want a, a kind of a facility that has a gymnasium and stuff. We've been raising money for five years. We have, uh, we've raised about $75,000 in five years. Now, it's going to take $200,000 just to break ground so that we can get like the bones of the thing up and then we got to get air conditioning and flooring and all this stuff. So at this rate... When I'm 74, I'm going to be able to play basketball with the teenagers. Okay? So we could look at this and say, okay, what's going on? What's going on? So would a step of faith be to go and borrow like half a million dollars and build it like we want it? That would be super risky. Right? It would be like just trusting God. You know, trusting God. Just let's just go for it. Kind of like you were doing with your credit card, perhaps at Christmas time. Just having that step of faith that is all going to work out in January. Hopefully, you're not doing that, but some of you are. Or, for instance, um, is this is a step of faith like like that old movie, 
and yes, it's old movie, I know, <laughs> Field of Dreams. In, in the movie Field of Dreams, um, Kevin Costner, he, he has this vision that baseball players will play baseball in his backyard, like dead baseball players will play baseball in his backyard if he will just build a baseball field. Now, why you would want people playing baseball in your backyard or anywhere else or watch it, I don't know. I think it's really boring. It's like watching grass grow. Um, <laughs> let alone having a bunch of ghosts do it. I don't know. But, but the, 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 the point of the movie was, if you build it, they will come. Right? If we build it, they will come. And I think some of that seeped into faith. I think, I think a lot of people believe that's what a step of faith is. If we build it, then God will bless. I just do something really risky and God will show up. And it's really cool to think about that. It's really exciting. Perhaps you see a homeless person on the side of the road and it's Christmas time and it's cold out and you just have this feeling, I should just take them home. Let them sleep in my house and feed them. Perhaps the television evangelist says, if you will give money to me, then you will also have your own private jet in a big house, just like I do. And you're like, oh, that feels, maybe it's true. Maybe, maybe my financial issues are because I'm not trusting God and I'm not taking a step of faith. And for those listening online, I'm doing big air quotes. Because I'm not taking that big step of faith to trust God. Is that what a step of faith is? Is that a step of faith? What is a step of faith anyways? All these things sound really, really risky. Risky things to do. Is a step of faith about doing something really risky and then just trusting that God will show up and God will clean it up and God will make it okay? I love this I don't know if I, I should say I love this because it's kind of violent. If you are opposed to, to minor cartoon violence, then turn away. But this is, <laughs> first child jumps to daddy. Oh, look, he loves his daughter, right? Daddy, daddy, catch me. Oh, that's not, say we didn't. <laughs> right? Is that a step of faith? We saw another church do it. We saw another family do it. Someone else did it. So we'll just leap and trust that Daddy will catch me. Is that a step of faith? It's Advent, and we have, been, we have seen two stories of people who were asked to take steps of faith. We saw Mary. who said, you're going to have a child, and this is going to cause all kinds of social issues for you. It's going to cause problems because people are not going to believe that an angel came to you and you had a baby as a virgin. But this is what God wants of you. Will you carry this child? Will you take this step of faith? And she said, yes. The angel came to Zacharias last week and said, you're going to have a son. Even though you, are, you and your wife are very old, you're going to have a child and you're going to name it John. And Zacharias was asked to take a step of faith. And when the time came, he said, yes, his name is John. And he took the step of faith. This week, we're going to look at a third story. Joseph's story is a fantastic overview of what a step of faith looks like. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 and start in verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, now espoused in that time is more than engaged, 
a little bit less than married. Almost married. It's like a family contract where they sign and they've made a deal and they maybe exchanged cattle. Okay? <laughs> but until they consummate, until they have sex, the marriage is not official in Jewish culture and in Bible times. Okay? And they had not had sex yet, so the marriage wasn't official. Okay? Even though paperwork was signed, cattle had been exchanged, and this was, this was a good to go. Okay? So Mary was espoused to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now this is a problem, right? You're engaged to this woman. You've exchanged cattle for this woman. You've bought her fair and square. <laughs> There's been a whole family thing, and now she's pregnant, and you have not had sex with her, so what gives? So Joseph, he's a good guy. He doesn't want to shame her publicly. Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, he was minded to put her away privately. Okay, So he's going to divorce her. He's going to annul this thing before it gets going and just act like nothing happened. You know, He didn't want to make a big scene. It goes on. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now Joseph has a dream, and in his dream an angel speaks to him. Is a dream required for a step of faith? Is a dream a requirement for a step of faith? Is that part of it? Well, God can absolutely use dreams. God can absolutely use dreams, and I think it's really strange. I don't like it. I'm a skeptic, so if somebody tells me they had a dream, I'm like, sure you did. Yeah, I have dreams too. Most of my dreams involve me, um, <laughs> involve me driving around Kit, which is the car from Knight Rider, or Airwolf, which is the airplane from Airwolf. <laughs> Most of my dreams involve me being a superhero from an 80s TV show. A-Team is another wonderful theme of dreams of mine. So when someone says they had a dream from God, I'm like, uh, okay, sure you did. Like it's, just, it's just strange, it's odd, I'm a skeptic in that. But you know what, um, like we, we just had a, a, a speaker in, the churches came together for a Thanksgiving meeting, you know, and I met the speaker at Red Lobster, really cool guy, I don't remember his name, really cool guy, had an incredible story, but he shared a lot about having dreams and how God had spoke to him in dreams, and I'm sitting back going, uh, this is strange, I don't know if I like this. That's just how I'm wired, and it's okay. It's okay if you're not wired that way, but that's how I'm wired. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream that I got sick at the winter retreat, and I got sick, and I wasn't able to be there for the team, and I had to go home, and this caused a lot of tension because I had responsibilities, and I couldn't be there for them, and I felt really bad, and it was awkward, and it was weird. And then I woke up the next morning going, oh, that was terrible, huh? and I completely forgot about it. Well, Friday night at the winter retreat, I got sick. And then... I, like, I, I missed the very first game stuff that I was going to run. And I was like, I'm just going to sleep on the couch in there in the office. Maybe I'll feel better. And then it was time for the scavenger hunt. 
And I just couldn't, I felt like someone was constantly punching me in the stomach and all of the stuff that goes along with stomach. And, um, and I was just like, I can't, I can't. And then to get back from that, and she's like, my wife's like, hey, can you come and, and for lesson time, you know, for the small group and stuff? And I'm like, I just don't think I can. She's like, you should just go home. You're not going to make it. Like, you just, just go home. We got this. And I had to go home. And I was able to kind of take care of myself and not have all these weird feelings about letting the team down. I was able to go home. And then, so I go home, I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, and I remember that a couple weeks ago I had this dream, and I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. It's like God let me work through some of this stuff in my dream. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if it was just bad. I think it was bad pepperoni. Um, I had a pepperoni roll at the Texaco in Smithfield, and I'm calling them out right now, okay? <laughs> I don't know if that's what the thing was or the... but. God can speak to people in dreams. There are stories of Muslims who have come to Christ in Middle Eastern countries, and when they come to Christ, the pastor, you know, in, the, in their small churches, the pastor says, well, well, who told you about Jesus? And they say, well, Jesus told me. What do you mean Jesus told you? No, someone shared their faith. Someone shared the gospel with you. Well, Jesus told me. He's been coming to me in my dreams for months, and every night he just comes and calls me to him. And I just, I just had to, to, to give my heart to him. And so, and this is happening in our time. So God can absolutely use dreams. Does God have to use dreams? No. No. And I still think it's strange. <laughs> but God can use dreams. God can use dreams. It doesn't have to be a dream, though. Sometimes it's a nudge. I talk about this all the time. A nudge. A feeling that the Holy Spirit is kind of pushing you in a direction. He's pushing you to do something, to change something, or to, to make a different decision. It's a feeling or a sense that you should do something. A feeling or a conviction that something needs to change or that you need to surrender to do something. But a dream or a nudge or a conviction or a feeling isn't enough to take a step of faith. A dream or a nudge or a conviction or a feeling isn't enough to take a step of faith. Because look what happens next in the text in Matthew chapter 1. Because the Bible's important and it shows us how things work. The angel says all this was done, either the angel or Matthew who wrote this to us is clearly showing us. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And Matthew explains to the reader here, to us, that all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And if you remember in Zechariah's story, the angel says, he will come in the spirit of Elias, which is fulfillment of the prophecy that Elias would return before Christ comes on the scene. And when the angel spoke to Mary, the angel said, and he shall sit on the throne of David, which is fulfillment of the word of God that was, was written down thousands of years before, hundreds of years before in the Old Testament. The prophecy that God had already foretold would happen. A step of faith has a trigger and a confirmation. A step of faith has a trigger and a confirmation. 
A trigger could be God speaking to you audibly. You could hear God say something. Maybe you don't even hear the audible voice, but you feel like God is telling you, do this. My, one of my best friends who's a pastor, he talks about his, his coming to Christ, and he says, I was in depression to the point of suicide, and my atheist friend invited me to go to youth group. Said, eh, I've been doing this, it's been kind of fun, let's go. So they go to youth group, youth group takes them to camp. They get to camp, and he says, all I could tell, like, I, he said, I can't explain it, but I just felt like on one of the nights at camp, um, or this, this meeting, God saying, I want you. I want you. Come to me. I want you. And God's just calling to him. And he pushed back, he pushed back, and finally he, he gave in, he went forward, gave his life to Christ, and his depression and suicidal thoughts went away instantly and was tra- transformed from depression into joy. Now, does that happen for everybody? No, but this happened for him, and he felt God speaking to him. A trigger could be God speaking to you audibly. It could be a dream. It could be God sends an angel. Though, if you tell me that God sent you an angel, I'm probably going to look at you strange. (laughs) But maybe he did. I don't know. It could be that the sermon makes a whole lot of sense. You come, you, you hear the scripture. Pastor Ron says something. Pastor Joe says something. You're like, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel this thing that I need to change or do. It could be that your daily reading points out something inconsistent in your life and you just it bothers you it could be that you feel a certain thing or you feel a nudge from the holy spirit there's a trigger but secondly you need a confirmation from scripture does the scripture confirm that this is what god wants does the scripture say this is this consistent with what we know of god and how he works from scripture is there specific passages in the new testament that talk about this Is this consistent with the doctrine and teaching of my church community? And this is really important because there have been people who claim to be Christians, who claim to have heard from God, who have blown up abortion clinics and killed people. And that's not in the Bible. There are people who are neo-Nazis or KKK members who say that the way that they feel about minorities, about black people, about Mexicans is is because God has told, and that's wrong. It's not in the Bible at all. So just, I don't care if they saw an angel. I don't care if they had a bunch of dreams. It's not in the Bible, so it's not God. It could be Texaco pepperoni rolls, or it could be Satan, (laughs) but it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And this is why it's important that we have a confirmation We have confirmation from the word of God that this is true. And then I would add to that, and I think the scripture backs this up, that we have confirmation from the doctrine and the teaching of our church community. If you come to me and you say, I think the Bible's telling me I should do this, and I think God has told me to do this, but then everybody in your small group says, nope, nope, I don't think that's what God's saying. I think that's crazy. And you're like, but I've got this verse. And they're like, that's out of context. (laughs) No. You should listen to your community. You should listen. That's why God gives us each other to hold us accountable so that we, we fact check each other so we make sure that it's true and that it's right. So there's a trigger and God can use all kinds of things to, to trigger a, the feeling that you need to take a step of faith. But then there should be confirmation. 
Confirmation from the scripture, confirmation from your church community, from the leadership. So you see that homeless person on the side of the road. You have this thought of taking them home. It flashes in your mind. This has happened to me a lot of times. But do I do it? No. I might stop. I might ask them if they want to ride to the shelter. But I don't take them home to sleep where my wife and my kids are. I don't. That would be risky. There's a fantastic organization, the City Mission. I'm on the board. It's a fantastic organization. They have an amazing men's shelter, an amazing women's shelter. They will get them food, a place to stay. They will help them find a job and get on their feet. It's great. What about the TV evangelist that says, if you will give a seed, <laughs> then surely God will bless you just like he blessed him, you know, with this $10 million house and his $10 million yacht. Is it? No, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. If you are faithful to give to God, he might bless you with the 2012 Honda Civic like he has blessed your pastor. But that's not even a guarantee. <laughs> okay? Because it's not about that. It's not about giving to get. It's about giving because God has told us to give. And we've been raising money for, the, for a building project for five years. And now we find out our ceiling or our, our roof needs replaced. So what do we do? Do we borrow a bunch of money? Take a big risk? Is it, is it written in Scripture that thou shalt build this building? All of these involve risk. And if we change directions on a building project, that's a lot of risk. People could be upset because they've given to a specific cause and then... Now the trustees and the church family all decides that that's not what we're going to do. Because in January, we will we'll have a business meeting and we'll talk about this. Decide what we're going to do. It's time to fish or cut bait, probably. No. So that could be risk. I mean, if the church body decides to do the roof, then maybe people get upset. It's also a whole lot of risk to borrow a bunch of money and then have to make that payment every month and then also still need to replace the roof. That's a lot of risk too. So what, what do you do? Is a step of faith about risk? Is a step of faith about taking big risks? It seems that taking a step of faith often involves taking a step of risk. That risk is involved. But a step of faith isn't about risk. A step of faith is about obedience. A step of faith is always about obedience, not risk. It's about being obedient to do what God said to do. And if God didn't clearly say to do it, then what do we do? Because in your life, you're going to have to make decisions. And you're going to desperately wish that the Bible would tell you exactly what to do. And a lot of times it's not. It's not going to tell you who to marry. It's not going to come out and say, Thou shalt marry Lee Ritz. It won't. I think I made a really good choice. I'm not second-guessing that at all. But it's not going to come out and tell me. It's not going to tell you, thou shalt buy this car or buy this house or take this job. We all wish it would do that because that would alleviate a whole lot of anxiety around decisions that we have to make. What do we do, though, when we don't know what to do? Well, we make a calculated risk. We make a strategic decision. 
and making a choice that has to be made with limited information and hoping for the best. That's just part of life. That's not a step of faith, though. Sometimes well-meaning people try to sell us some snake oil that will alleviate and soothe our anxieties so that we don't have to think that there's risk involved. So that like that little kid, we could just jump and be like, it's all going to be okay. When it's not, there's no guarantee that it's going to be okay. There is no guarantee. That's not how God works. That's not what Jesus offers. That's not what CBC is about. So how do you make a calculated risk decision? How do we as Christians make a calculated decision? Well, we pray. And when we pray, we ask God specifically, give me wisdom, help me to see things that maybe I've missed, help me to listen to the right people, and align my heart to your will. Because there's a lot of things that are in God's will that are a variety of choices that we could all make and all do. You could go this job or that job. You could marry that person or that person. And God could bless either one. It's about you being aligned to his will, not the specific case or the specific decision. Realistically, look at the options. What are my choices here? What are the pros and cons? I mean, this is pretty simple. And then make the best decision with the best information that you have. And that's what we as a church oftentimes have to do. We make the best decision with the best information we have. When we buy a van for the church, or, or Pastor Joe says, we need to buy this vehicle, we're making the best decision with the best information. We don't go to Second Ford, chapter 4, verse 6, and say, thou shalt buy this VIN number. I mean, that would be great, right? But it doesn't work that way. We make the best decision with the best information. We understand that there's a good chance we're going to be wrong. And this is important as a congregation. As we, as we grow in our faith, as we all try, as we serve, as we do ministry in our community, we're going to try ministries. We're going to try to reach people, and it might work. It might not work. But we understand we, it might not work. If it doesn't work, then we just pivot and do something else. We try something else. And we'd be open to pivot when more information becomes available. This is a good decision-making scheme. This is a good pattern for making good decisions. Many of you are like, well, this is kind of no-brainer, Ron. Okay? But this isn't a step of faith. This is good business, but it's not a step of faith. This isn't about following God. The part about praying for wisdom and for aligning your heart to his will, that is. But the rest is just being an adult. It's living. A step of faith is a step of obedience. A step of faith is always a step of obedience. The opportunities to take a step of faith are not rare. They're not. They're not once in a lifetime or once every six months things that God brings up or the Holy Spirit brings. The opportunities to take a step of faith are not rare. They're frequent. And the problem with thinking that a step of faith is this big, grand, risky move is that it makes them few and far between, which means that the wonder of following Christ starts to wane in your life. The reality is that God, through the Holy Spirit, makes steps of faith available to you every single day. Every day, he makes a step of faith available to you. Every single temptation is an opportunity for a step of faith to be obedient to Christ, to trust that your way is better than how I think I need to 
react to this situation, how I think I need to take care of myself. I'm going to trust that what you say is better for me than what I think I know is, is my, my thing, my go-to sin. I'm going to trust you. When you feel that you shouldn't open your mouth and you don't, it's a step of faith. When you feel like you're being overshadowed and you don't freak out, it's a step of faith. Yes, in the area of giving, when you're worried that God won't provide, but you give 10% because that's your tithe. My, my wife and I, we give 10% of our income to the church. It is a step of faith because it's a step of obedience. And God says to give it to the local church, so we give. And the only reason that we're as consistent as we are is because we have online giving and I can set it up automatic and it comes out right after I get paid. So I don't spend it first. I'm just being honest. But we set that up because we wanted to be consistent to trust God in that. That's a step of faith. When I share the story of how Jesus found me and saved me and invite someone else to believe, that's a step of faith because Jesus has said to go and tell everyone. Tell them how to find Christ. That we are ambassadors for Christ. When, when we fast, it is a step of faith because we're trusting that God will sustain us. When we are vulnerable with others in small group, Bible study, it is a step of faith because the Bible has told us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we meditate on Scripture, it is a step of faith. Because the Bible said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of God. Because we're supposed to know the Scripture. It's a step of faith. When we serve in the local church, it is a step of faith. Because the Bible has told us to serve one another. In ministry, to use our talents and abilities. When we come to church on Sunday morning, it is a step of faith because the Bible has said to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. These are steps of faith. In Romans, Paul writes, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So your daily life, the wonder that you seek in Christ comes from taking those steps of obedience in faith. And we renew wonder by taking a step of faith. That's the best way to renew wonder. To keep your, your walk with Christ fresh is to take steps of faith. And if your walk with Christ is stagnant, if the wonder of following Jesus has started to wane a little bit, it could very well be that you haven't been obedient to follow Christ in faith. So what is the step of faith that you need to take to be obedient to what God has said? What is it? As we think about the return of Christ at Advent, we think about how Christ is coming back and we will go to be with him and we will live in the kingdom of God forever. And in the kingdom of God, it will be a place where everybody does God's will because they want to. So why wait? Why not do God's will now? What is the area of your life? Is it an area in relationships? Is it how you treat other people? Is it how you treat your finances? Is it some other decision you're making in your life that's holding you back and you're like, yeah, I know I should do that, but God will forgive me and I can pray and 
I'm telling you, that choice right there, it seems so small, it seems so insignificant, but that choice kills the wonder of following Christ because you're not following Christ. When Jesus says, we're going over here, and you say, ah, I don't know, maybe later. I don't feel like it. I'll catch up with you later, Jesus. And the wonder, the thing that Christ wanted to lead you in, you're going to miss out on because you won't be there. You won't be a part of it. So taking steps of faith, walking by faith is important. But walking by faith isn't about this big, grand, risky thing. It's about just being obedient to the next thing the Holy Spirit has told you to do in your life. So what is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you're not obedient in that the Holy Spirit has pointed out? You say, yeah, it's a little thing. And the Holy Spirit says, well, then do it. If it's little, then do it. Why let that hold you back from finding out what God has for you? Finding out what the next step of obedience is because there's always another step of obedience we're a church where broken people find hope which means we acknowledge our brokenness no matter how far along we are in our walk with christ until christ comes back we're not all the way there which means you have every one of us has a step of faith to take there is a step of obedience in your life now and it's a matter of are you listening are you listening to God? Are you willing to surrender that to God? Let's pray. To God, this morning, I pray that as a church, we would, we would wrestle with this question. What is my step of faith? What is my step of obedience? God, I don't want us to just feel better at the end of this message. I want us to genuinely ask, what is my step of faith? And listen to the Holy Spirit speak to us. We trust you, God. We believe in you. We believe what your word says. We believe the experiences that we've had with you, whether they were fantastic or run-of-the-mill, you've shown up, you've spoken to us in our lives, and you've called us to you, and you've showed us a step of faith. So God, I pray that we would be obedient, that we would listen to you at this Advent season, at this time when we're celebrating your birth, where you took the greatest step of faith in obedience to God the Father, you became a servant. You left the throne and took on the form of a servant and died for the sins of the world, taking on the blame and the shame of my mistakes, of our sin, of our brokenness. You did that in obedience, trusting that God would bring his kingdom. I pray that we would walk in your steps, that we would walk in faith, that we would trust you. God, help us this week when we need to make strategic 
choices that involve risk. Help us to not over-spiritualize it, but don't let us neglect prayer. Don't let us neglect asking for your wisdom, seeking out good guidance and good information. Don't let us hold on to it as though it's, it's Scripture when we have to just make a tough decision. But in those areas where you have shown us clearly how to be obedient, to love you with all our heart, to love our neighbor as ourself, to be conformed to your image, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, God, I pray that we would run towards those steps of obedience. I pray that you'd bless us as we take our step of faith this week. In Jesus' name, amen.